Rafer. Hey, Kristen. Technology. Let's talk about it. I know all about technology. It can be very bad for us, can't it? The robots will rise up and destroy. (laughs) They will. How many movies have we seen that prove this to us? The robots will rise up and destroy. However, not even just robots are the problem. No? No, no. I remember from a very young age there was this fear of too much TV would rot our brains. Sure. And hurt our eyes. Mm -hmm. Was the hurting our eyes part for real? Uh, I don't. Well, you and I both wear glasses. Oh, see, there, see what happened. See? I see? spent a lot of time in front of. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in front of a computer as a kid. I was. My family got the uh, one of the first personal computers to come to market, the TRS eighty. I do not even know what that is. You want to know what TRS stands for? Yes. You'll love it. Tandy Radio Shack. Oh. <laughs> Tandy Radio Shack. The guys that used to make the leather wallets. Yeah. They put out a personal computer. We got one. And uh, and that's where I learned to be a to uh, do computer programming to uh, to program in BASIC. I loved it. I, I I had hours upon hours upon hours of fun making my own video games. And it was a big cause of concern. Is this is this what he's supposed to be doing? He's just a kid. Why is he sitting there with his nose in that computer typing, typing, typing? Shouldn't he get out and play? It was a big uh, it was a big thing. You know that this was going to stunt my mental growth. Yeah, it did. Now you just sit in front of other giant screens all the time. Look for at work. that. Look yeah. at that. See what happened? I'm as sedentary now as I was then. <laughs> Jeez. Well, obviously, the reason I'm asking is because there's this new movie out this week, Jason Reitman's Men, Women, and Children, and it looks from every angle at all of today's modern social networking technologies, how those technologies can really hurt us. Yes. What we have to look out for, what we maybe are looking out for too much, maybe looking at the wrong problems, not the right problems. We'll go into that a little bit later, but we're also going to be talking about Annabelle, which is a prequel to a horror movie called The Conjuring, and Left Behind, which is looking at what happens after the rapture, and of course, the highly anticipated Gillian Flynn novel adaptation, Gone Girl. But before all of that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Date. Rafer, let's start with Annabelle. Now, this is a prequel to The Conjuring, which frankly was too scary for my for my sensibilities. Too scary. You too couldn't, scary. That's too scary. Who's it's, sitting in the theater screaming her head off and who's covering his ears next to her? Rafer and Kristen. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but as I recall, you thought that was like a pretty good movie. It was good, but it was too scary. Too scary. Well, then don't <laughs> don't go see Annabelle, Kristen. This is, uh, as you may remember, uh, The Conjuring was kind of a sort of an Amityville horror connection. It was about Lorraine and Ed Warren, the, the uh, paranormal investigators who had a connection to the Amityville horror. Um, and there was a doll involved in that movie, one of those creepy, hideous old dolls yeah. with the dead eyes and the kind of sneering lips. And um, I guess that doll must have been so popular in the first one, they brought her back for what's actually kind of a prequel. This one takes place in the Sort of 1969, 1970, right around there. It's a young couple. They're expecting their first child. And, of course, the husband says, oh, I bought you one of these great antique dolls. Wouldn't you love to put that in the nursery? And she says, oh, sure. No, you don't. No, the dead girl eyes and the creepy (laughs) hair, that doesn't bother me at all. I'm going to put that right here over the crib. Here's a clip. But now that cult, you said that they were trying to summon something. From what I've read in the past... These cults, they don't summon ghosts. They summon inhuman spirits. 
Something that's never existed in the flesh. Demons. What, what do they want? A soul. Any fool knows that a doll like that is a conduit to Satan, yeah. right? I mean, it does. You it, reasonable, rational though you may be, I think when you see that doll at the thrift store, you know that doll is going to open up the gates of hell. Uh, and that, of course, is something along the lines of what happens here. Um, I will say, much like The Conjuring, this is one of those just thoroughly, thoroughly unoriginal horror films that you've seen eight million times before. I mean, have you not? The, the pregnant mom, the baby, the mm-hmm. demon, the doll. But it is really well done and extremely scary. And I was thrilled to be sitting through it. Ooh. It was so fun. The director, uh, John R. Leonetti, is a cinematographer for James Wan, who did The Conjuring, The Saw films, a bunch of other stuff. He gets in the director's chair here and he just – He knows you've seen this a million times, and he is determined to find a way to freak you out, to trick you, to fake you out, and get you to, like, jump out of your chair. And he's a master at it. And the last thing I will say about it is it's got a really great actress, rather confusingly named Annabelle. Her name is Annabelle Wallace. Apparently, pure coincidence, not why they chose her. British actress, uh, unknown here. She's fantastic in the role of Mia, the mom. She's great. So I would say if you're in the mood for a good scary movie, Annabelle is your movie date. This is this this was a lot of fun, I thought. And I will not be seeing Annabelle because I'll be too scared. <laughs> I can't handle that stuff. I know, I know. You know I you can't could, handle it. If this one if this one you know that you know that feeling where you've been scared and you get that ugly prickly feeling yeah. all over your skin? If this movie gave me that feeling, it would definitely oh, give you it. God. No, I deliberately didn't do that. I just right. can't handle that stuff. Can't do it. <laughs> You know what I thought I could handle? Was some men, women, and children action. You know why? Because I like me some Jason Reitman. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. I loved Up in the Air. I liked Juno quite a bit. Um, I I think Jason Reitman's great. I do, too. So this movie, we have a number of different plot lines here about the ways technology can help and hurt us, but mostly hurt us. We have Jennifer Garner, who's overly protective of her daughter and constantly is checking her daughter's Facebook feed, her daughter's texting, her daughter's online presence. We have another mother, played by Judy Greer, who is helping her daughter to get herself out there because her daughter wants to be famous someday, wants to be an actress, and helps moderate and run a website where there are kind of racy pictures of her teenage daughter all over it. Mm -hmm. We have a young girl who goes to pro-Anna sites all the time to help her anorexia stay on track so she never has to eat again. We have a couple, one half played by Adam Sandler, that believes that maybe the best way to deal with the dry spell in their marriage is to go out and find other people on the internet to sleep with. Here's a clip. Uh, My mom, she checks my Facebook, my emails, my text. She must have just deleted it before I even saw it. It's not like against the law or something. She thinks she's protecting me. Well, Kristen, uh, of all the storylines that you described there, which was your favorite? (laughs) Oh, that's tough, choosing a favorite out of all those wonderful, delicious warnings. (laughs) (laughs) Which public service announcement do I like the best? 
what am I going to learn the best lesson from? I, oh, I mean, so I, so I, <laughs> so what you're saying is <laughs> that you did not care for this movie so much. You didn't feel that it kind of got to the heart of today's problems. I just thought it was all really obvious, and none of it was surprising. None of it felt like a story. All of us just we live with technology now, and that's the way it is. And uh, Rafer, I think you said this to me. All of these problems existed before. Technology just is another tool to get to these problems. People have always cheated on their spouses. Yes. Kids have always been abusive to themselves through things like anorexia or cutting or other things. Exactly. Kids have always snuck around behind their parents' backs. They always have. Thank goodness they have. Right. We've always had stage moms. We've always had overprotective parents. We've, you know, anorexia and bulimia came along long before the internet. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, you know, I don't know if this is a dumb thing to say, but I'll just go ahead and say it here on this nationally broadcast uh, show that the Internet to me just I just feel like what it is is a really great phone. Right. This is how we communicate with people. This is how we find that information. I used to call I used to call zero to try and get information. <laughs> now I go to the Internet. I don't see where the Internet is really making I don't see where the inter- internet is really inventing these kinds of problems. I don't. I don't think you can lay these problems at the foot of the internet. The one problem I would say that's in the movie that kind of is true is the porn addiction. Okay, and now, and that's one thing where in the past it's like you might be addicted to buying five magazines a week that show topless <laughs> girls and their boobies, but that's not the same as watching up to thirty. 40, 50 hardcore sex scenes a day in your room for hours at a time. That is, that was one of the things that did uh, resonate with me. <clears throat> and, uh, but I would say that, that was supposed to be a joke when I coughed, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, you didn't even laugh. <laughs> I didn't um, that was it. <laughs> Well, anyway, oh, really? ha ha. But I did, but that did that did resonate with me because I I thought to myself, yeah, you know, the, the the movie makes little mention of back in the old days. You know, when you were a young boy, you'd find your father's little porn stash somewhere, and I remember that happening. Not my dad's, but I remember that happening in my life. You'd discover some porn magazine somewhere, oh, yeah. and think, oh, awesome. Girls do that too. When I was a kid. Girls, we'd find our brothers. We'd find so girls. Girls did that too. It wasn't just guys who would find the nudie mags. Okay, all right. So, but and I did think to myself, yeah, it's true. Now you can just get a flood of that stuff if you really wanted to. Um, I would say, really, the only storyline for me that resonated in any way, because it was kind of a story, internet or no story, was the one about um, the two spouses whose whose marriage has kind of you know, dried up and they're dissatisfied with each other and they both use the internet um, to go seek satisfaction elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Again, this all happened before the internet, but it was still a compelling story. I did at one point... It's the closest to a story too. Right. And it's, it's, that one was more emotionally involving to me. And I, I I was, I suspected at one point that it was going to turn into the Pina Colada song. (laughs) And I was glad to see that it didn't, (laughs) but I really thought it was going to happen for one moment and it doesn't. But, but you know, I think probably you and I are going to say the, the same thing here about men, women, and children. It's kind of a – what is it? It's, it's not a very it, – it it's not a very convincing date, right? It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't get at the heart of what's happening today. No, and I think it's, it's kind of a boring date too, frankly. It's pretty slow moving, yeah. Yeah, it's slow moving. It's not surprising. It feels like it's scolding. 
Also, I just saw this movie about a year or so ago. It was called Disconnect, and it starred Jason Bateman. And it was the exact same film and also not very good. So, yeah, men, women, and children, not a great date. No, just watch some porn. Do what Rafer does. (laughs) (laughs) Hardcore. (laughs) Coming up, Left Behind, Gone Girl, Movie Therapy, and Trivia. Stay with us. This is Movie Date. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. And this is Movie Date. Let's talk about Left Behind. Let's switch, shall we, from... A different uh, kind of behind. (laughs) Oh, Kristen! I was going to make such a subtler joke than that, but now I can't even do it. Um, Well, all right. So many of you may remember the original Left Behind, which was... Uh, the Kirk Cameron film it was all about the rapture. It was based on a series of very popular Christian science fiction apocalypse novels um, in which uh, the rapture happens. And that means, of course, that the believers and innocent people vanish, leaving behind their clothes, and everyone else is left to fend for themselves down on earth in what is becoming a kind of uh, hellish place. Um, in this new reboot, we have Chad Michael Murray. In the in the uh, Kirk Cameron role, he plays Buck Williams, the investigative journalist. He's on a flight uh, that is being piloted by Rayford. Interestingly enough, Steele, uh, played by Nicolas Cage, none other than Nicolas Cage. Midway through the flight, they're about three hours over the Atlantic Ocean. They're heading to London, and the rapture comes. Here's a clip. She's your mother, and I think it would be good if you, you know, if we both could be a little more supportive. Miss her. Yes, I do. But hey, if she's going to run off with another man, why not Jesus, huh? You know, the, the point of this movie, as with so many faith-based movies, is to proselytize and reach out and get its message across to a wider audience. Um, when At the screening I saw, the publicist had to stand in front of us and say that this movie is attempting to reach a wider audience to people who would not necessarily go to a faith-based movie. And the first words out of anyone's mouth in this movie is uh, uh, reciting uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And mm. to me, I'm just going to say that's, you know, that's not a great way, I think, to bring in the masses. Um, and then, of course, it's a rapture movie. And, you know, we all know what the rapture is. And I guess that's one of my problems with this movie is that there's something about the message that just kind of rankles me. There's something kind of spiteful and mean to me about the idea of the rapture that, you know, it feels, you know what it feels like? The whole movie feels like Nanny Nanny told you so. You you should have listened to us, but but you didn't. And now we're all up here in heaven with all the infants because if you walk into the hospital, all the infant cribs are gone because they all got taken. And we're all up there naked. Our clothes have been left behind there on earth. And the rest of you are stuck down there in crappy town flying what looks like a little toy passenger jet through the through the clouds. And I just feel like I, you know, that doesn't that doesn't grab me or involve me that that much as a dramatic adventure film. Do you know what I'm saying? God, uh, it sounds just like men, women, and children, only with religion. <laughs> only with, We're going to scold well, you. Exactly. You know, scolded. and it's a, you know, it's a ship of fools that plane, you know, the, there's a, there's a, there's a gambler. There's a, there's a guy who's a, a Muslim 
There's a guy who's uh, Muslims you know, a, don't. Nothing good can come. Greedy businessman. Nothing good can come of a businessman. A drug addict and mm. all these people all asking for right? it. Right. Uh, oh, and the and the slutty stewardess. There's oh, a, that's a, the worst. There's a, a good stewardess. A woman who likes sex. She is the worst. That's the worst. worst yeah, and you know all. how you can tell she likes sex because her boobies are really big and you can see them. Oh. And if that makes me think about sex, that means she's thinking about sex. Why is she trying Bad. to tempt everyone with Bad boobies? Bad females. No heaven for you. Bad women. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like I feel like the whole movie, you know, and I, I won't even get into. They're truly abysmal production values on this movie. <laughs> uh, the message of it and and just the whole overall tone I just found of Left Behind, I just found to be kind of kind of a kind of an insulting, spiteful date. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> imagine, imagine, you know, imagine going on a date and having that woman say, pulling out a Jehovah's Witness Bible and say, "By the way, have you, you know, or whatever," and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're sitting through a lecture. That's that's what the date is. I hate this date. <laughs> I hate this date. Yeah, exactly. So there you go, Kristen. All right, let's talk about Gone Girl, which we have been very excited about for months and months and months. We've been talking about Gone Girl, the new film adaptation of the Gillian Flynn best-selling novel, screenplay by Gillian Flynn as well, yes. directed by David Fincher. This is the story of a man played by Ben Affleck whose wife goes missing. That's Rosamund Pike. Where has she gone and is he responsible for her murder? It looks like she's She's been murdered by him. That's what it looks like. Yep. But maybe not everything's what it looks like. Here's a clip. You were together for two years in boarding school, right? She was my first serious girlfriend. And why did you break up? That's a strange question. Did you treat her bad? Did you cheat on her? That's a rude question. Let me tell you what Amy told me. She dumped you. You completely unraveled. You stalked her. You threatened her. And you attempted suicide in her bed and were institutionalized. Your wife is missing, and you came all this way to tell me this. Now, Kristen, you were a fan of this novel. I was, as were you. As it's was just I. so fun. It, it's a really fun read. Exa- okay. Tell me more about what you liked about the novel. You said the word fun, and I feel like that's important. It's an addictive page turner. It has sort of a pop culture sensibility. It was written by Gillian Flynn, I believe, either at the same time or shortly after she left Entertainment Weekly, where she was a writer. Uh She just has a certain snap and punch to her writing. And she um, has moments that are dark, that are punctuated by things that are just a little bit winky. Yes. there, There are lines from pop songs, and there's a lot of nods to... Uh, well, more than a nod to uh, there's there's a there's a whole backdrop of the media, and she knows just just as we all know how these media stories go, right? So you you're suspected of killing your wife. Suddenly, you're a celebrity. Now, all of a sudden, everyone thinks they know you. They think they can say things about you. They like you. They hate you. They love you. You got to go on a on a celebrity tour and 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 craft your persona and and be judged in the world of public opinion. People are spinning you, manipulating you, selling you to the public. She knows this whole story, and uh, and we all know it. And we love to see we love to see it, and we love to get behind the scenes as well. Um, and I think that was one of the most fun parts of the whole book to me. How do you feel that it comes across in the movie? I think that it's pretty dark. Most really of the movie, dark. Most of the movie is moody in that Fincher way. Yes. So moody. Yes. So moody. So atmospheric. Yes. But then also I would say there is <laughs> – you remember this at the screening where there was a certain point toward the end of the movie where everyone gasped 
and then clapped a little bit. Ah, uh, are you talking about the sort of what so, I would call the crescendo of the movie? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and there it's quite is, a it's quite a scene. And I I, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a certain hair flip that happens. <laughs> okay. And that's when everyone just goes nuts, like holy crap. Do you remember this yes, little hair flip? I do. I hope I'm not – I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying there's a little think hair you are. flip. I don't think you are either. But um, – so I do think there are little moments of humor, dark – But very little. Dark humor. They're very small, small moments. And, you know, that person who's clearly a Nancy Grace imitator – Yes. She is great. Yes, she She's was. just a total Nancy Grace. Yeah. Well, she's basically playing Nancy Grace the way that um, Tina Fey played Sarah Palin. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? She's like with almost it's – just, it's just straight. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Rosamund Pike, can we just talk about how great she is? Sure. She's amazing. Amazing. And I love her. And I've been a fan of hers, especially since um, an education. But Me I've liked too. her in quite a few movies that she's been in. Uh, I – I was just looking on IMDb. I'm like, gosh, I've seen at least half of her movies. I really love her. And I'm kind of surprised she hasn't exploded until now into a major star. But I think this movie is going to do it for her. I think so, too. Um, I mean, I, I, I remember th- just like you when I saw an education, I just remember thinking, who's that? Who is that? She is, you know, I mean, I, and I loved Carrie Mulligan in that movie. I loved everyone in that movie, but she just captivated me in that film. And I'm surprised, too, that this, that it's taken a while, but for her to kind of, it, a lot of the roles that she's had since then have been pretty secondary, um, secondary to small, I would say. Um, yeah. But this is, that she's really front and center here, and she's, she's fantastic. Yeah. So is Ben Affleck. I think he's really good in this. Yeah, Ben Affleck's good, too. I don't feel that he has as much range in his role. His role just doesn't have... It doesn't call for it. It doesn't call for as much range, but he's good too. He's good at playing handsome, shallow guy. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I would say that it is a little bit longer than I would have liked it. It's almost two and a half hours. Yes. And I think it would have been fine if it was closer to two hours. I'm glad that Gillian Flynn, when she wrote the screenplay... Uh, excluded some parts of the novel. She edited out certain things that were in the novel, and but I think she could have left out even more. Yeah, I think that's true. The, no- the novel uh, was guilty of a little padding here and there, too. I mm-hmm. remember there were some moments in kind of the middle third of the novel where it was dragging just a little, and I felt I was getting a little bit too much more information than I necessarily needed. Um, but I thought th- I thought the cast of this was great. I thought uh, Tyler Perry, who plays the defense lawyer, Tanner oh, I Bolt. I love Tyler Perry he's when he's not being Tyler Perry. When he's not being Tyler Perry, exactly. And Neil Patrick Harris, I thought, was really good as uh, as the ex-boyfriend of Amy, the main character. Um, and kind of an uh, unusual role for him, too, I think. Uh, I think the film looks just fabulous. It looks so gorgeous. I think this is... The best score I have ever heard from uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus mm. Ross, who do a lot of Fincher's movies. Yeah. The, the score in this movie is so – it's just – it's a really interesting take. It sounds like classical Hollywood, but there's also something a little wrong with it. It's spooky and just enough off-kilter exactly. where the notes go where you don't expect exactly. sometimes. Exactly. It's yeah. fantastic, and it really comes to the fore in that scene that you're talking about. The <laughs> score just goes – haywire and it's really great i guess what i sort of admired about this movie was that fincher i feel like found something kind of deeper and darker in that story he found something a little more profound in the novel i think jillian flynn's novel thought that the whole kind of media circus and this idea of appearance versus reality was kind of funny she kind of got a kick out of the whole 
Hall of Mirrors, and I think Fincher finds it kind of dark and upsetting and and kind of horrifying. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that he teased that out of it, but it does make for a pretty a pretty heavy movie, and mm-hmm. it's not that's sort of not what I had expected from the film. So I I don't know if you hadn't read the book. Maybe you'll think this movie is really – maybe the movie really bowl you over. If you have read the book, I think it it's just going to be a very different version of that story. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I mean I, all that being said, I, I still felt it was pretty loyal to the tone yes. of the book. It was still pretty loyal to the tone of the book. Yes. And I would say – Gone Girl was a good date. I'd say it was a great date. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I was scared because I read the book first and sometimes reading the book first, you're – yeah. But I still thought it was a really good date. Yeah, me too. I think – and I'll be very curious though to see how it does. Two and a half hours, pretty dark. I'll be curious to see how it does at the box office. I think it's going to do great actually. I think, I think it could too. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed. Help! All right, Rafer. It's a special time. It's a special time in the podcast. You know what time it is. Movie therapy time. Oh, yes, it is. Hey, Kristen and Reefer. My name is TJ, and I'm calling from New York City. I really need some movie therapy to get me in the mood for my favorite holiday, Halloween. I'm not just looking for scary movies. I'm looking for Halloween-themed movies or movies specifically about Halloween. I hope you can help me. Stay spooky. I want to start off by saying, TJ... I love that you prep for a holiday with movies. I do that every year at Christmas time. Listeners of the podcast, you guys hear me every year around Thanksgiving starting to talk about Christmas movies. I watch a Christmas movie every day from Thanksgiving to New Year's every year, sometimes a couple movies on the weekends. Boy, Kristen. I love prepping for the holiday by watching movies and prepping for Halloween. I'm on Team TJ. Great, great plan, (laughs) TJ. Great, great plan. Totally. Here's the deal, though. We're already... On October 3rd. It's October 3rd. Yep. That means there's 28 days to watch movies. We might be coming in late. We should have, you know, gotten this question maybe six weeks ago. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But we do have 28 movies for you. We are going to have them at moviedatepodcast.org for you to look at. So go to moviedatepodcast.org to see the full list of 28 movies. But let's talk about just a few of those movies on the list, Rafer, that we've selected to uh, prescribe to TJ. All right, so these are going to be movies that have Halloween scenes, because you know, good, solid, central, important Halloween scenes in them. Um, number one, The Karate Kid. Oh, Mr. Miyagi. I, I just watched it recently with my uh, six-year-old and four-year-old. I felt like it was just a transcendent, spiritual, wonderful experience watching that Did with my two it? kids. Oh, my God. They were riveted. Oh, riveted. Such a great movie. My six-year-old takes karate. Um, and so, of course, he just thought this was, you know, just... Awesome. And, of course, there's a scene in The Karate Kid where Ralph Macchio's character goes to a Halloween uh, party. He's dressed up as a shower curtain, as you may recall. Mm -hmm. And Johnny, the bad kid, the Mm, bully. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Sweep the leg, Johnny. He is dressed up as a skeleton. Here's a clip. Johnny, leave him alone, man. He's had enough. I'm a side when he's had enough, man. What is wrong with you, Johnny? Enemy deserves no mercy. Right, right, right. You're crazy, man. Mr. Miyagi to the rescue. Exactly. Exactly. Love him. All right. One of the movies that I like quite a bit is Meet Me in St. Louis. Now, I think a lot of people don't even think of this as a Halloween movie. The movie follows four seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter. That's right. And the central holiday for fall was Halloween. And it is 
beautiful in that Manelli way because everything's technicolor and pretty and gorgeous and there's music and there's you know there, it's it's gorgeous but it's also very dark. Margaret O'Brien is the youngest member of this family. The um, older sister that we all know the best, of course, is Judy Garland in right. the movie. But Margaret O'Brien was a huge box office draw at the time. She's playing a little girl who's out there with her friends, not trick-or-treating the way we do nowadays, but back in the old days in St. Louis, apparently you'd go around and assault people, play tricks on them, set things on fire. Oh, that sounds put, cute. Put fake bodies on the trolley track so you derail <laughs> the trolleys, you know, things like that. And it's really shocking. You watch the scene like, this movie's so innocent and cute, and they're singing the trolley song, clang, 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 and then like, oh my god! (laughs) People are about to die! Things are on fire! That's the weird old America right there. (laughs) So quaint. Oh, why can't we return to those quaint days? I don't know. Why can't we? (laughs) All right. Uh, I'm going to fall back on a a somewhat more modern classic, but, but I guess it's getting pretty old at this point as well. It's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Oh, love The Great Pumpkin. How can you not love this movie? Lioness, the devoted religious fanatic. Blanket-loving fanatic. <laughs> you know, he's, he believes in The Great Pumpkin. Everyone else is laughing at him. They say he's never going to come. Lioness believes that The Great Pumpkin is going to arrive. Here's a clip. Each year, The Great Pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch that he thinks is the most sincere. He's got to pick this one. He's got to. I don't see how a pumpkin patch could be more sincere than this one. I always thought this movie was a really interesting religious parable. I, I, oh, I, yeah. It, and it's just, and I, I don't want to give too much away <laughs> if you don't know the story, if you're one of the few people on earth who doesn't know the story of the Great Pumpkin. Uh, but I feel like the ending is pretty profound in this movie. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Again, can't say too much more, but it's a it's a classic. I love all the Charlie Brown movies. Yeah. So and and Charles Schultz, a Minnesotan like me, a where the lesson of everything is, it's going to be fine, even though you're not happy. I feel that that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting, Kristen. We'll soldier through. You I know. Hadn't thought you know about how that. Lucy always holds the football like, "Come on, Charlie Brown, kick it!" And then she plays a trick on him. Exactly. And then Charlie Brown will do it again. Exactly. It sucks, but I'm just going to keep doing this. Exactly. And that is Charles Schultz. God bless you, Minnesota. All right. <laughs> so, a movie I want to point out that's in the theater right now. So uh, this if, is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't want to rent a video, if you don't want to go VOD here, but if you want to actually go into the theater, see the guest. The guest starring Dan Stevens, who played Matthew on Downton Abbey. He is no Matthew in this. He is not an Edwardian cutie wearing a tuxedo who's going to inherit a billion dollars. No, he is somebody who used to serve in Iraq. He was a soldier. He's come back to give his condolences to a family. He was the fellow soldier of a man who died in the war, and he wants to say hello to this family, give his regards, but he's not what he seems. Here's a clip. My name is David. Mrs. Peterson, I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. And we trained together and served together, and uh, well, we came to be good friends. Oh, um, well, uh, would you would you like to come inside? Thank you, ma'am. This movie is so '80s flashback crazy and interesting. And there is a Halloween scene at the very end of the movie, the climax scene of the movie. Oh, the climactic scene of the movie. The climactic scene of the movie where uh, there's going to be a Halloween dance and. The auditorium is all set up for it, but the night before the dance, 
there's a final showdown that happens, including a hall of mirrors, including a smoke machine, including all the things that would be in kind of a creepy haunted house in an auditorium. Oh, and, boy. And it is fantastic. It, a lot of it just feels cheesy, but in the best possible way that it's paying homage to the 80s. The violence is ridiculous and cartoonish, and that's what makes it fun. It's not like Annabelle, where it's actually spooky and scary. It's just like <laughs> you're laughing at how ridiculous it is. And I'd say if you want to go to the theater and see a Halloween movie with a great Halloween scene, that movie in theaters right now. Good the call. Guest. Good the call, guest. Dr. Meinzer. So... If you want to see the other 24 movies on our list <laughs> that have great Halloween scenes that are pivotal to the films, there are a number of them on there, everything from E.T. to Kill a Mockingbird, Twin Falls, Idaho. Go and see the full list at moviedatepodcast.org. Now, Rafer, it's trivia time. We love trivia. Yes, we do. So okay. what did we ask last week? Well, last week we were talking about a movie called The Two Faces of January. You were telling me all about this one, Kristen. Um, and that got us to thinking... Because we're so clever about, <laughs> about other movies that have months in the title. We thought of a lot, but we, we picked what we think is a real winner, and we played you this clip. You're heading straight into that torpedo. Yes. Doing what? Right into the torpedo's path. More speed. Negative. We're already running 110%. Then give me 115%. Estimate range 3,000 yards, closing awfully fast. We asked you to name that movie with a month in the title. Here's the right answer. Hey, guys. This is Christina Cruz, soon to be Christina Williamson. Um, and I just wanted to answer the question that you all have for this week. I believe it is Hunt for Red October. Sean Connery's voice is pretty unmistakable. All right. I hope I got it right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Congratulations. So, the, so you're getting married, I'm assuming, Christina. Is, it, is, it, is it Cruz, like with a Z? Like Hispanic, or is it C R U I S E, like Tom Cruise? I vote. I vote for the Hispanic. Me personally. Now we got a ton of right answers last week. So many, we actually lost track. But yeah, uh, as you know, every week we can only randomly select one. So call in this week because our question this week is something that you might know the answer to. In honor of Annabelle, in which a doll is central to the plot. Indeed, we're gonna throw you a clip from a movie where a doll also is central to the plot. It's a slightly different kind of movie. Here's the clip. You know, Bianca's um, a missionary. Well, was a missionary, right, sorry. Because she was raised by nuns. But now she's on a sabbatical so she can experience the world. Isn't that neat? She's shy. <laughs> well, you are. Everything's so new for her, right? If you know the answer, visit us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. Or you can always call us at 5717movies. Put me under. 